The views and opinions expressed by the producers, hosts, and guests of Flash Black Radio do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Flash Black or its parent company. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, beautiful people. This is www.flashblackradio.com. I am Lee Bennett III, a.k.a. Da Vinci Parks, and this is Culture Shock on Flash Black Radio. Uh, Today, we're going to uh, spend about an hour or so discussing identity uh, as far as it pertains to people of color, specifically black folk, African-Americans, after we go through this conversation, you might understand why I'm kind of hesitating as to how to identify or self-identify. We'll get into that in a little bit or whatever, but nomenclature, politics, identity, all going to be discussed. And to help me suss through it, I'm first going to bring in my co-host. Uh, you know him, ladies and gentlemen, if you listen to this podcast channel at all. Uh, my good friend, Mr. Slim Williams, number one intellectual in the building. What's going on, everybody? It's good to be back. <laughs> indeed, I, indeed. I know you all have missed me. Yeah. Yeah, and, you're welcome and humble. Uh, yeah, but uh, so Slim and I are basically uh, basically conduits or whatever. What we're actually going to do is we're going to bring in somebody who's actually a professional to talk about these things of import. Uh, I am not qualified enough to actually like you know start you know citing things uh, chapter and verse, but we have somebody who is. I have with me Dr. Namada Blyden who is an expert on African history, African-American history, imperialism and colonialism, colonialism and women and gender. Uh, just a little bit of a background. She got a bachelor's degree in history and international relations from Mount Holyoke College. And, you know, she got her master's and her PhD from this, this little institution called Yale. You might have heard of it. I don't know. Uh, but she is uh, now a professor at George Washington University. Uh, teaching all things awesome <laughs> as it pertains to people of color, just to run down a couple, African history, topics in African history since 1880, Africans in the making of the uh, uh, excuse me, the Atlantic world, uh, women in Africa, and we can go down the list. So um, without any further to do, I'm going to go ahead and just bring her on in, Dr. Nimata Blyden. Hello. Hi, everybody. And thanks for having me. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, so we, we're very excited to have you here. Uh, appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, again, Dr. Blyden, uh, the reason why you're here is we happened to go to this event, we being Slim and I, and along with uh, Slim's wife, my cousin, uh, we happened to go to this event on December 16th, I believe, of last year. Um, and it was a historical, uh, it, it, was, it was a remembrance so it's basically the Angolan embassy put on an event, uh, basically uh, uh, memorializing 1690. It had been four, 400 years. A lot of countries like Ghana as well are marking the year of return, basically 400 years of people from the African diaspora being on this continent, basically reconnecting and so forth and so on. So you were on that panel. Yes, and, uh, I was. Uh, Slim was uh, saying before we were recording, he had told me this actually the night of. He said, I was really getting interested in what she was saying, but unfortunately, you were the last person on the panel yeah. and they rapped, so we didn't get a chance to. And I was having, <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't know why I was having difficulty hearing in my listening device or whatever, okay. but that was kind of frustrating me as well. 
So I was like, uh, like we should we should have her on the show. And he was like, we should have her on the show. Yeah, that's a very good idea. So <laughs> well, you were so gracious to accept. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit because you were, uh, I think there also, your your book had already dropped by that point. Yeah. Uh, you have a book, uh, African-Americans in Africa, uh, A New History. And um, there are a lot of things inside that book that I wanted to, to touch on or whatever. But first and foremost, I guess the question I want to ask is, in a nutshell, if you gave yourself an elevator pitch, um, who is who is Dr. Namada Blyden? Ah, well, as you said, I'm a professor of history. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a you know diasporan. I'm an African. There are all sorts of ways I can describe myself. I, but I suppose for purposes of this interview um, and the book, which is what I guess we'll be talking about in, on the subject of identity, I am the child of a man who was born in Africa. And you notice I don't say African, and that might emerge later. And an African-American. My mother was from Worcester, Massachusetts. So mm-hmm. my whole identity oh, is wrapped up in uh, the connections between Africa and its diaspora. That's what I teach. Um, and that's how I identify myself. Okay. All right. Dr. Blyden, please let me uh, congratulate you on surviving, uh, you know, uh, a parentage from Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> what do you know about Worcester? <laughs> I have found Worcester, Massachusetts to be one of the most terrible places oh. in this country. <laughs> I had to work there for several months uh-huh. uh, in a former career, mm. and uh, it was it was not fun. I remember going into uh, Trader Joe's and having everybody in the Trader Joe's look at me like a caged lion was huh. loose. In the store, huh. uh, I was like, I, well, I take know. it they hadn't seen many uh, many black folks around that part of Worcester. So, so was, is, was this the like the the, the original like Trader Joe's T R A I T O R or this is the the no, no no okay I don't know but they looked First at me like humor. I was the original really black in Worcester. Huh. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I lived I lived in Worcester in the early seventies and it was kind of like that then. Mm-hmm. Uh, although you know, they've all, there's always been a black community in Worcester. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm just now. Picked up. I haven't read it yet. A book on blacks in Worcester. So there's a long history of blacks in Worcester, but I'm not really surprised. The fact that they have a that. book on blacks in Worcester <laughs> might, might be right? slightly telling. So I'm not really surprised. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not an expert. You know, I don't know all these things. You know, I've never been to Worcester, but uh, I've heard some stories from a couple of relatives. Mm. Uh, makes me not necessarily want to like you know rush to get there. So um, I'm going to jump around a little bit because I want to know a little bit about you uh, because I think your history uniquely informs. Mm-hmm. The person that you are now. Yeah. Um, I had to do a little bit of digging, obviously, you know, get your bona fides and whatnot <laughs> like that. But um, also, you know, you were kind enough to send me uh, a, a little piece of your book. Yeah. So I did get a chance to see how your your mother and father met, um, that they've been together for quite some time, mm-hmm. uh, that your, your mother raised seven children. Yep. After, like, you know, being, like, you know, in Worcester, Massachusetts, yeah. or whatever, she went out and saw the world, yes. literally saw Africa. Um, so that that's, Yeah. <laughs> That's the reason why I want to ask some of these questions. Okay. So, your book, uh, again, African Americans in Africa, A New History, addresses uh, the conflict that we as African Americans have historically had, and quite frankly, continue to have since our being forcibly brought here. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you, sp- like, can you begin to speak to that? Because, mm-hmm. like, I think that's a great, good foundation for this yeah. conversation. Well, let, maybe I should tell you a little bit about how I came to the book. Yes. That by might all means. explain. Um, 
a little bit uh, of what you're asking. So I taught for many years in Texas, the University of Texas, okay. uh, um, down oh, in Dallas. On purpose? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> my, you went from, my worst of the, from Worcester like, to Texas. Dallas, Jesus, right. All right. Yeah, no, I've lived okay. in some strange places. Okay. But um, uh, I guess it was around maybe 1994. I remember reading an article in, or a little blurb in the Dallas Morning News, there was a black family in a suburb of Dallas that woke up one morning to find Go Back to Africa spray painted on their garage. And I remember wondering, you know, where did they think these people were going to go? These were an African-American family whose ancestors had probably been enslaved, had lived here for centuries. Mm -hmm. And so that got me thinking about, well, what is the relationship between African-Americans and the continent? What interests should African-Americans, what interests do African-Americans have in the continent? And so I designed a class, which I called African-Americans and Africa Links in History, that began to explore these questions of what is this long-standing connection between African-Americans and the continent of Africa, and what kind of relationship over the centuries have African-Americans had with the continent? So that was my starting point. Um, and in asking that question, of course, all sorts of things came up. And these are the issues that I deal with in the book. Um, slavery, what the enslaved brought with them from Africa. They brought many things um, in between the moment of enslavement and the present. All sorts of other kinds of relationships developed between African Americans and the continent, black missionary movement, the Pan-African movement, black nationalist movement, all sorts of things. And these are the things that I try to make clear in the book, that there has been this longstanding relationship um, that's been characterized in many ways by a push and pull, not all African Americans um, accept Africa as mm -hmm. their heritage or as their um, they recognize it as their past, but they don't they don't see that they have to have a relationship with Africa. They're those we know who embrace it fully, and then everything in between. And so these are the things I delve into in the book. Okay. So you mentioned like like not all African Americans accept the the, the terminology, and and part of the part of I was actually reading not long before you got here. Uh, you were making a lot of connections. So it was interesting that you were able to make a connection between the ideology of, say, a Frederick Douglass with mm -hmm. the ideology of Whoopi Goldberg mm -hmm. and a able to draw like a, like mm -hmm. a, like a line, mm -hmm. able to draw a line between Arthur Ashe and Jesse Jackson. Mm -hmm. um, uh, how is that impacted after doing this book? Because this is not an easy thing to like, you know, there are a lot of lines. You started with your parents, mm -hmm. obviously, because that affects you and yeah. how you look at things yeah. and, and how, you, how you view yourself in the world, your place in the world. Yeah. How has this book and this journey like affected how you self-identify? Mm -hmm. Has it affected it? Well, I mean, in some ways, yes, but not really in that we, we've been very privileged in our, in our family. I have a long history of connections between Africa and the diaspora, whether it's the United States or the Caribbean. I won't boast, but I have a famous ancestor. So if oh, anybody yeah, I was going to get into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I told and you so I was doing a little research. And so we've always had a clear sense of ourselves mm -hmm. uh, and our connection to Africa. And so 
labeling ourselves African has never been a problem. Mm -hmm. Whether we talk about it in terms of our father and where he grew up and where I grew up for a large uh, um, part of my childhood, which was Sierra Leone, or um, or African American, right? Mm -hmm. Which I consider myself an African American. Okay. And so for us, that has never been, or at least for me personally, that has never been. See, that, that, an to me, issue. that feels more like I don't know, <laughs> like like because uh, you're saying like, okay, I yeah. grew up in Sierra Leone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, my father's African, my mother's American. Mm -hmm. To me, that feels because I look. I have nieces and nephews that are, you know, like have mixed ethnicities yeah. or whatever. I don't mm -hmm. like the like terminology before. You mm -hmm. used to just say mix and mm -hmm. call it a day. Yeah, um, biracial. Right. I don't, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. the, I have that with a, like like four or five nieces and nep mm -hmm. nephews, and you know, but they're still here. Their parents have been here, so like you know, even that alone can cause like this internal like push mm -hmm. and pull. Mm -hmm. But to you, you just said you mm -hmm. identify as African American. I mm -hmm. find that, mm -hmm. yeah, quite easily because well, you're you know, literally on, African American, on, yeah, and on, on, you know, <laughs> on, on many levels, you can. I mean, when we talk about identity, and this is something I talk a lot with my students about, is that you know, identity is an interesting thing in that. We identify, we call ourselves whatever we want. I call myself an African-American, an African, a black. I use these things interchangeably. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes it's what others see or what others call us that becomes significant, right? So I can call myself whatever I want. Um, but if somebody constructs me in a different way, uh, um, in a different place, in a different space, that might be what I might become, at least for them, not necessarily for myself. So, so I think what we call ourselves is important mm -hmm. um, for ourselves, but so that others also, right, understand who we are. Um, but sometimes there are moments when it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. So for somebody who looks like me and says, well, I'm not African-American, uh, don't call me African-American, uh, you know, that person walking down the street, maybe in the wrong neighborhood, maybe around the wrong types of people, um, who might, you know, see them, that's all they see. Mm -hmm. So no matter what that person thinks or mm -hmm. calls him or herself, sometimes it's what's the, what the larger society sees. And that's at the heart of a lot of the things that I talk about, that even those who have uh, historically tried to claim a full Americanness, mm. distance themselves from their African heritage, have been always made to feel their connection to the continent. Whether they like it or not. Whether they like it or not. I wonder what those uh, what those shoppers in Trader Joe's identify me as mm -hmm. when they saw me when they saw in you. there. Well, mm -hmm. I have an idea. <laughs> oh, I have an idea too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, for the, the sake of like, you know, Dr. Blind's here. I mean, <laughs> if she were not okay. here, I'd, I'd, I'd probably okay. just call you it just for fun. <laughs> you know, you know, just like, you know, what I yeah. think it is. But, you know. Um, so that actually leads into my next question. My next question is, do you feel in your humble estimation, is, is there a time perhaps coming near or perhaps is it now? Do mm -hmm. we need to perhaps collectively reevaluate as a people how we self-identify and why? Mm -hmm. uh, do you, you know, and I think that that, you know, it's an individual choice, right? The identity that you claim mm -hmm. in many ways. Mm -hmm. So that I, you know, for those who say, oh, I'm not African-American, uh, we've been far enough removed from Africa, which we have mm -hmm. uh, been far removed from Africa. And so that's not my heritage. I say that's fine. Um, if 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 you want to claim a full Americanness as Black people, we have the right to. Mm -hmm. uh, we've 
been through enough in this country to be able to claim a full Americanness. Mm-hmm. And yet, for 400 years, we've been told over and over again that, that we don't belong. Yeah. And so I think that's where the gaze uh, um, extends, right? That's when we begin to see the gaze extending. You know, in my talks that I give surrounding this book, I talk a lot about, you know, how the movie Black Panther resonated, mm-hmm. right? Where people were asking about, you know, how to get to Wakanda. Not always jokingly, right? Mm-hmm. This notion that we were, we, it, it, it showed us something that we felt we were missing, mm-hmm. even though it was this mythical, right, place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we know that that's not a, a real place. It still resonated with a lot of black people. And I think it had to do with us once again finding ourselves, right, in a moment where we felt like, oh, my God, this place was rejecting us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and throughout the story that I tell, there are these moments when African-Americans have looked to the continent of Africa when they felt rejected or when they felt that America has turned its back on them. Yeah. Right. And uh, so that's this notion of identity that constantly brings us towards thinking of ourselves in particular ways. Okay. I, I, I find like, so the reason why I, I started with that line of questioning, because again, I also want to like delve into who you are mm-hmm. and get into some other things. Yeah. But the reason why I'm asking that question because as I start, I started initially like last week because we were supposed to do this interview and right. you know weather you know, kind of hosed that. So um, I, I had started with the piece in terms of your mother and father meeting yes. and how like how he was dressed mm-hmm. and all these things. And then mm-hmm. I started with another piece today in terms of like and then the Whoopi Goldberg thing, which yes. is I've never forgotten the whole Whoopi Goldberg because I remember that. I was much younger, obviously. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. lens at which I, I, I look at the what she said yeah. is not the same as it was when I was younger. Right. It's very like, you know. Uh, we won't get into that. I was more a little, a little rigid in my my perception at mm-hmm. that time, mm-hmm. um, and also juxtaposed or, or tied that rather that that statement with the whole Ted dancing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you yeah. remember at blackface the time. thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that that thing, those things didn't set well with me. Yeah. Um, it's it's interesting, and I, it's almost fitting, I think, to hear like a Frederick Douglass, a quote from Frederick Douglass, that makes sense because at the end of the day, like, okay, like I don't want this to hinder me in terms of where I've come out of, you know, this mm-hmm. is somebody who freed himself from slavery. Yes. Uh, but to me, I just felt like, so it's, 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 the reason why I'm asking this question is like, we have like the age old question right now that we're having again, general generationally. Um, I remember when it was being had in terms of whether or not we use the word nigga. Mm-hmm. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it was pointed at like in terms of hip hop, like, yeah. okay, well you, these people are in my generation, you know, just kind of like, well, we like, not quite the first generation because I was in seventies. I was a seventies baby, but in the eighties when it started to like really spread or whatever, yeah. that's what I came up with it. And now this younger generation is now the the question is being asked again. Like, should should they use this or whatever? Mm-hmm. And like some people identify as that or mm-hmm. identify their friends as that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Some people identify as black. Now we have the whole thing as biracial, and I'm, I don't know why I just did air quotes about biracial. <laughs> uh, but we have all these different things happening yeah. now. So labels, I, labels. Yeah, they're, they're labels. labels, and I think labels and narratives are uh, are like you know like very obviously and sometimes like subtly attached to these things. But the question, I'm, the reason why I'm asking these questions, is because I think what the term African American at least, it's an anchor. You know what I mean? It, it, it gives an anchor to both things or whatever, and it and it connects you because um, there's a comedian named Billy Billy Sorrels that I saw perform in Mexico a few years back, and he had a line in his set. It wasn't even a joke, really. He was very mm-hmm. serious. He mm-hmm. said, "He said, yeah, I don't consider myself black. 
He said, there's no place on the map that you could point to that's called black. Mm -hmm. He said, I am mm -hmm. an African-American and mm -hmm. something to that effect or whatever. Right. And I was like, I hear that. Yeah. So it's kind of like when we start, I guess, distancing ourselves from like African-American, are we then like psychologically, historically, culturally distancing ourselves from the root and the ancestors? Because mm -hmm. what I felt in that room when we we're at the Angolan embassy event mm -hmm. is like they're saying like, you need to come back. You know, like Ghana's been saying, you need to come back. Right. Like, come here by land. Like, yeah. I think Ghana's like, yo, if you come here, whatever, by land here, you can vote here. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you, like you, there's probably a path to citizenship there. So, like, you know, these things are, like, I think asking, like, they're causing other questions in my head. So, I'm, Slim, like, anybody yeah. got any thoughts? Like, well, I mean, I think, I mean, Slim probably has his own thoughts. But I yeah. think, you know, part of it for many people, the response to that would be, well, why? Why should we abandon a place right, that we have fought tooth and nail, blood, sweat, and tears to make what it is, right? So that's that's one side of the argument, which I think many of us understand that argument. And I think this notion that perhaps you can't have it both ways, you can't be African and American, is perhaps what motivates a response like that, um, as opposed to thinking about it in terms of recognizing Africa as part of your heritage and all that that means, but not necessarily meaning you have to go back or you have to, right? And I think for African-Americans over the centuries, the notion that when they claim their Africanness, they're rejecting their Americanness has put them in a position where they feel that it's an either or, mm -hmm. but it's not, yeah. is it? No. And I, and, and that's the, that's the kind of like the the the... the, the the trickery that can kind of go into it if you're not careful mm -hmm. because like who says that you're, you have to abandon anything, mm -hmm. you know? And then yeah. I think another, that see, there's another side of that, that coin or whatever. And then one of the things I said, the insidious, one of the insidious things about racism, particularly in this country yeah. is to be considered, you have to first self-identify unless you're white. Mm -hmm. So if you're mm -hmm. white, you're just American. Mm -hmm. They don't say I'm European American. Mm -hmm. They don't say I'm Irish American. You just say I'm American. Yeah. It wasn't always that way. Yeah. Going back into the 20s, there were the filthy Irish and the filthy yeah. Italians, right? Yep. And then they got like absorbed into the ethos or the, the construct of what it meant to be white. Right. And it was fine. But like, you know, if you're like Asian American or you're African American mm -hmm. or you're, you know, Chap Japanese American, Chinese American, Native American mm -hmm. who were here before Mer America was even a yeah. thing. You know what I'm saying? And so it feels like it's something exclusively for peoples of color yes. to do this whole identifying thing. But mm -hmm. I feel like we're the ones who struggle the most with it, which is odd. We do. Because, like, you know, the indigenous people here, like, you know, those who know their history and culture, and there's a lot of them out there, whatever, they proudly shout, and they don't even attach the American on there a lot of times. So, yo, no, we were here first. Mm -hmm. And I get it. You know, and I, so like, you know, when you come from like, you know, like, you know, Taiwan or Korea, whatever, a lot of times they come over here. It's like one person might come here, they set up shop and do whatever they got to do. Another person comes in, they're moving together. It's like a, it's a, it's a thing that they're together. And it's just like, I don't know why we're having that struggle. Well, and, uh, Still, it's in I our, do, but it's in our history. Yeah, the, I do. The history yeah. of not knowing, mm -hmm. right? For the law. I mean, now we have the DNA, however, you know, some of us might feel about those, those DNA tests, right? But the, it's the not knowing, right? And the not in, in some ways, not knowing once you pass a certain generation beyond enslavement, right, mm -hmm. who we are, where we came from, right? So we become African, uh, African-American. I mean, Africa is a huge continent, right? So huge. I think part of the thing that has resonated with the DNA and with these homegoings and like the Angola event we went to is now perhaps for the first time African-Americans can put their finger on specific places, Angola, Ghana, right, Sierra Leone. 
um, this, and they can say, well, this is where I'm from. You know, Isaiah Washington, who I talk about in the book, mm-hmm. has claimed his Sierra Leone heritage. He's mm-hmm. done his DNA. He's claimed some other things too recently. Right? It's, more <laughs> it's, problematic. Tra- it's traced him to Sierra Leone. <laughs> he's a very complex figure. He is very much so, you know, right or wrong. Yeah. And he's embraced Sierra Leone um, as, you know, as his place. Right. And, and so that's what these things allow. They can take us beyond just being African-American to now something more specific, problematic in some cases, but nevertheless, which we didn't have for the longest time. Right. We were just connected to Africa in these very either romanticized way or in the way of Africa being constructed as a place of savagery and backwardness. Who wants to be associated with you that? that in your book. Right? There was a whole like so, whole summation yeah. of what Africa was. You know? Africa exactly. Is like the, like the distended belly with the flies. Exactly. Yeah, that was exactly. deep. I like that. Exactly. I was like, that so, made me right. You know, so that has motivated a lot of how we relate to the continent. Uh, you know, for good or bad. Okay. So. Slim, you're quiet. He oh, hasn't said um, anything. Um, Isn't he a co-host? He, no, Slim, is, Slim is very, he, he's very considerate unlike me. So he likes to sit and like, you know, like really consider his words. I just speak and sometimes something good comes out, you know. Uh, it's a little different. Yeah. I also, uh, I, I have these pillars of communication and one of the pillars of communication is, uh, does something need to be said, right? Yeah. So if somebody mm-hmm. already said it, then I tend to not interject. Uh, and we are in a position where um, you are speaking very eloquently <laughs> um, <laughs> about you. a topic uh, under in which you're very well versed. Um, so you will be stating things uh, more eloquently than I may be even capable of. Um, you know, that's not frequently the case. Usually, usually I'm the most eloquent person in the room. You know, <laughs> this is like, this I mean, if it's, it's between abnormal. me and me and you, that I, I, I might give you that. I might give you that. You well, know? I will say that. Um, and, and Dr. Blyden, I'd be interested uh, in your feedback, whether you think it's correct or incorrect. But uh, a lot of the statements that we're making are um, touching on, but not explicitly stating the psychological impact of what happens to uh, a group of uh, people who become a diaspora mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the generational psychology. You know, they've done studies mm-hmm. that, yep. that study the imp- the ge- genetic impact the stress. Uh, mm-hmm. of stress yeah. on mm-hmm. descendants of survivors mm-hmm. of, of the Holocaust mm-hmm. um, or victims of the Holocaust even. So, um, and, and, and you know, it's like, yeah, yeah but they like, haven't yeah. done the studies oh, is right. what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, but you can make the correlation, yeah. right? If they've done the studies and there is scientific proof that it's had an impact on Holocaust mm-hmm. descendants, then obviously the same thing would happen for something as traumatic as slavery mm-hmm. and uh, Jim Crow and all of the things uh, that impacted us as black people. Mm-hmm. As I think about the psychology of it, it would make sense to me how people would that people would choose to identify with nothing when they would choose black because they did help to build a country where a central tenant, a central cog in building a nation that has rejected them the entire time mm-hmm. they were building mm-hmm. it. Um, and that religion was used um, to intentionally separate those people from their African heritage mm-hmm. uh, by imposing a new uh, a new belief system on them. Um and for a long time, and even now, even kind of consistently, I identify myself as black. Mm-hmm. 
because there is this feeling of not belonging to anything, mm-hmm. um, of identifying with the Americanness is because that's all I know. Yeah. Um, but uh, through education and reading and having more exposure to certain things and traveling mm-hmm. more, um, you know, I had opportunity to spend my honeymoon in Kenya. Nice. That was uh, eye opening. Spending time in Nairobi and uh, going to the Maasai Mara, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there there is. There, there's like a seed planted of reconnection mm. when you see more of the world. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Can I ask you a question? I don't think we actually discussed, and if we did, I forget, because, you know, like, I, I like to repeat myself. But, uh, <laughs> uh, just for the, the sake of humor me, like, did you get a feeling of just like, just <sighs> when, you, when you touched down, when you, got, when you stepped out into the, into the airport or whatever? Because when I went to South Africa, I felt a feeling like, I felt home. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, I, although like, you know, like genetically I'm probably like Western Africa somewhere or something like that. But right, right. I, I felt like, you know, I did feel something when I got to South Africa. I felt just relieved in a sense and like just like at ease in a way that I hadn't felt before. Did you feel that? I would say that uh, I don't know if I felt it explicitly when I first got there, mm-hmm. but there was something very specific about hopping that skimmer and going to the Maasai Mara mm-hmm. specifically for that safari. That had a really intense impact on me. Um, so when I got to Nairobi, maybe not so much, mm-hmm. um, but when I got to the Mara um, and I was like, I'm watching people who are actually still living uh you know in a in a non um uh, what do you say traditional like not non-modernized mm-hmm. okay. um society is probably a verbose way of stating it's probably mm-hmm. a simpler way of stating it um but it's not eloquent but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but seeing that and then also um you know being so close with uh the animals and seeing so many parts of the mar because it's a preserve yeah. it's a wildlife yeah. preserve so much of it that's untouched yeah. um that had a really intense impact mm-hmm. on me mm-hmm. and then you fast forward that um you know my my aunt wanda uh was one of the honorees yeah. at the event at the angle which is why we're there mm-hmm. that's, that's why right. we're there she's oh, the okay. one the she's people. the one who traced the family roots right. back um to angola. angola um so that experience in and of itself mm-hmm. aunt wanda is not a blood aunt of mine mm-hmm. she is a um very very close friend with my mother-in-law yeah. and so she has adopted you know, yeah. us as like nieces yeah. and nephews, mm-hmm. uh, but we have that kind of close relationship. But even though it's not a blood uh, tie, her, the power of her connection mm-hmm. and the power of my connection to her, it helps to reinforce, mm-hmm. you know, the mm-hmm. fact that there is a tie yeah. to mm-hmm. this other, to this other uh this other series of cultures, mm-hmm. this other mm-hmm. series of customs. Yeah. This always, I think I read um, something in one of your experts excerpts where you say uh, um, there's so many different Africas, mm-hmm. right? And you yeah, can be one. you can yeah. be tied to all of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you can make that choice. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that being black or African American or whatever you choose to identify with, you do have a unique right yes to be able to claim multiple things yes because of how we came here and mm-hmm. the contributions we've made since mm-hmm. we've been here mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. do have a unique right to mm-hmm. make those claims absolutely yeah. absolutely uh so 
I think with that being said, because we're, we're talking about like connections and like, you know, like these things like trans transferring, you know, like, like through time, you know, through like culture, society. Um, the question I've been itching to ask you is uh, <laughs> who is Edward Wilmot Blyden and how has he driven you? Ah, yeah. I okay. told you I had to do so a there are two Edward Wilmot Blydens you know, that have, driv- have driven me. I'm, I'm talking about your great grandfather. Um, the great grandfather yeah. um, has a very unique story. Well, not unique, but a very interesting story. He was born in uh, what was then the Danish Virgin Islands, which are now the U.S. Virgin Islands in St. Thomas. And he was born um, at the age of 18. He moved to Liberia mm-hmm. as part of the sort of quote unquote back to Africa movement and mm-hmm. spent the rest of his life living in Liberia and then subsequently in Sierra Leone mm-hmm. and became an African and became an African nationalist and became a spokesperson mm-hmm. for Africanists, for Black Pride. Before Marcus Garvey, there was Edward Wilmot Blyden. So you got ahead of me because I was going to ask about I had a Marcus Garvey question in the chamber, but go ahead. So, so, um, so that was, you know, so that clearly has, you know, passed down, passed down to my father, who also uh, was a spokesperson for his people. My father had a nascent nationalist party and fought for independence, uh, uh, for the independence of Sierra Leone, which was colonized by the British. So that's a tradition that has been passed down. Mm -hmm. Pride in our heritage, Mm -hmm. uh, our personal heritage, our family heritage, but pride in our African heritage. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Edward Blyden taught black people that you can be proud of being African, of being of African heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's something that, you know, in 2020, unfortunately, we're still having to uh, um, emphasize to some, right, that that it's it's not a sin to be proud of your African heritage. Yeah, in 2020. You're right. That's crazy. Yeah. uh, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and ask, ask this question now. Go ahead. You, Sorry. No, no, no. It's cool. It's cool. Like I had these questions all lined out, all and right. then you just make me all eloquent and whatnot. It's throwing me off. Uh, yeah. So like I'm gonna create a question right okay. now. Like how how has how has this this history? Obviously, this, this you have this underpinning. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you like we're saying here, Slim and myself. I'm pointing because people can't see me point, mm-hmm. but Slim and myself can't you know, definitively point to anything beyond maybe a few generations back, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I can I can ask my mother about her her grandparents. Right. Um, she might know a little something about mm-hmm. her great-grandparents mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to ask my grandfather on my, uh, and my grandmother on my father's side, mm-hmm. that's gone now. They've mm-hmm. both passed now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, the like the information on that, that can kind of, like, you know, firsthand knowledge that's mm-hmm. been passed down. Mm-hmm. These are difficult things that, you know, come in contact with. Yeah. You have an idea of where you come from. Yeah. You you have you know, like you know it's been passed down or whatever. How's that informed you as a mother, and how do you how have you used that to like you know oh. pass it along? Well, I mean, you didn't know you, you were gonna be part you, of this. Yeah, business. you yeah. probably have to ask her. Uh, my <laughs> oh daughter, yeah, I my can. I can, swing, is, I can swing the mic over. Pearl Trust me, is here. Trust me, um, I can swing the mic over. Um, I just want to know how how how's that informed you, and yeah. I we can yeah. swing the mic over. You I mean, might want to be in this interview. I think I try to pass on the same things to my children that was passed on to me by my father, and that were passed on to him of having pride in their ancestry. Uh, my children are American children. Mm-hmm. They're Black American children with all of that 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 entails, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time. I hope, um, and again, they'll have to speak for themselves, but I hope I've given them the tools to understand that 
um, that's not the sum total of who they are mm -hmm. based on the stereotypes or the ways in which the larger society wants to construct black people, mm -hmm. right? And that's what I tried to pass on to my children because that was passed on to me. I was lucky to be raised outside of the United States. So my formative years were in fact not spent um, in this country. And I think that that made a big difference to how I understood myself and how I crafted my identity, which was not possible for my children. Um, but I tried to uh, um, instill in them that the same sort of pride that was instilled in me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in, in studio, along with Dr. Blyden, she has brought uh, her daughter, Pearl. And and she, you didn't know you were gonna be part of this. I didn't know you were gonna be a part of this. But that's what that's what happens when people answer questions. And I had like ten questions. You killed like three of them in one go. Uh, I have to. I have to. You have to improvise. That's this part of my my skill set now. Improvise. So, uh, how do you feel? You know, having this 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 knowledge of where your, your grandparents come from, being able to trace back and say, hey, this is what I am. This is where I come from. How does that affect? How did it affect you growing up? Did it? Did it? I think there's something to be said for. <laughs> being a little bit ungrateful in, in some ways because we do know that information. So I, I feel like we take it for granted a lot. We don't really, you know, we come from a family of historians. So we're always getting the, did you know you have ancestors here? Didn't you, you know, and we're like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know. You're always telling us. But in some ways, knowing that and, and having that knowledge and not realizing that so many other people don't have that knowledge is, is something that I, I think we do take for granted. Um, hearing you all talk about wanting to know that information, I feel like a lot of times, I, and I'll speak for myself, not my brothers, but I'll speak for myself, that I'm like, oh, I already know that. Why would I need to go searching for it? I mean, I'm always getting told by my family all about our history. So in, in a lot of ways, I think I took that for granted. Mm -hmm. um, but knowing... One of the things I'll say, and this is kind of off topic, but when my mother... It's not off topic. Nothing's off topic. <laughs> my mother has brought this up before that, you know, when I was in school, people's parents were getting divorced all the time. And that, for me, was the biggest, like, oh, but like, no one's family is together. Like, everyone's got this... Everyone's families are getting pulled apart. There's drama at home. And, you know, obviously we are, you know, in a, in a very blessed home where our parents have been together for, for years, have been married mm -hmm. all this time. And, and there was something about that that splitting of people and having having dealing with my friends and family that had that struggle that I think at that point is where I was more I was more grateful for this this kind of family dynamic that we have because mm -hmm. you know like most families we still have all of the drama that you can have with a with a large family but the fact that we are so close and we do know we, and that history we do have that connection to to a place that ne isn't necessarily here mm -hmm. that we can claim is there was something about that moment that I think made me feel more in tune with the fact that I'm, I'm very blessed to have that information. Um, and so, you know, growing up for me, it's having friends that were both African-American of, or children of, of Africans like me and, and my, my brothers, um, having that, those conversations with people about what that meant, mm -hmm. um, going to the continent for the first time in my, in my life and actually seeing what that meant, mm -hmm. right? Because you can be told over and over and over again that, you know, this is where you come from. But to, to be there, to be in this country that, you know, you've only ever heard stories about your, your fam family living and, and being in places where, you're, where your father was born and your mother went to school. I mean, there's something about that experience 
um, that you can't you can't understand even being told over and over again. You have to experience. I, you have to experience it, it. Mm-hmm. and I'm I'm very grateful um, that I was able to have that experience. Mm-hmm. And, um, not everyone, even in our situation, that may have you know African roots, can say that. And I was very grateful for the opportunity to go back there. And I'd love to see more of Africa. Like you were saying, like, you know, we have this connection to this country, but Africa's a huge continent, right? Like there's so many places. Um, You know, I've had a friend and her husband just went on a honeymoon to South Africa and saying he's the same thing where she, she's always felt very close. She's half Nigerian to to the country, to um, to the continent, excuse me, um, and has been back to Nigeria before, but her husband of um, black, black Americans who don't identify Mm. at all with the, the continent of Africa. Um, she said that there was one time they went into this, they went into this bar and the bartender said, you know, she, she mentioned, oh, my, this is my husband's first time here in, um, in, on, in Africa. And he said, you know, welcome home, brother. And mm. she said there was something in his eyes at that moment when he said that, that I think he registered mm. that, oh, I am, I have roots here. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, again, his family, black Americans won't even won't even claim slavery. Like they just are like, oh, we don't know. We just have always lived here in the country, and we. Um, I don't think any of our our people were slaves. You know that kind of, that kind of mentality. Oh yeah, well, I, I, I've country. had I've heard I've heard that in my own. Like yeah. you know, like apparently, I, like you know, have some people telling like you know I'm a descendant of French cobblers, mm-hmm. but you know. <laughs> and, uh, and the truth is, you might be. Yes, I right? told that joke. Yeah. I told yeah. that joke. The truth there. is, you yeah. could you could be. Uh, the, yeah, you know? I, I, I don't believe it. You, you <laughs> it's possible, but it, it's I don't believe possible. it. I don't believe um, it. But to then to then use that versus you know, but I have no connection to slavery or no yeah. connection to, to enslaved people. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I didn't, we did. Exactly. Even if I didn't have like even like 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 you could like trace all four of my grandparents to someplace mm-hmm. other than enslaved peoples. Exactly. I still have a tie to that. Right. But not everyone the, feels that. Yeah. And that is what's so interesting to hear. And that's why we're having this conversation. And that's why we're having yeah. this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny when you mentioned that because it made me think of the story they just came back a couple weeks ago and him mm-hmm. and that, you know, that experience that he had when that man said that to him and and feeling like, man, okay. Mm-hmm. And actually having that experience firsthand. Again, you can't you can't tell people how to feel. You can't tell no. people again about well, who they're who they are, what their identity is, or mm-hmm. what to feel um, about the con- the continent of Africa. But um, those of us who have that knowledge and have that connection, and I think it it really it shapes at least who I consider myself. And I consider myself African American, um, and I know where I come from in Africa. Dope. So first and foremost, I didn't know you knew how to say more than like like five words. Just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. She perked up when I found out. I told her the white girl come her way. She's like, oh, a oh, word. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But when she came to the door, she was she was like, yeah. no, whoa, one one quick follow up question. One quick follow up question. Uh, I remember as a child, and this is just I don't know. We're just free flowing right here. We're going to get back to more serious questions and comments and banter, but. Uh, I think this is still valid, though. I remember as a child, uh, you know, it wasn't uncommon to hear derogatory things about African or Africanness. Again, I'm a child of the 80s. So I was born in the 70s, raised in the 80s. Uh, 80s were a terrible time. <laughs> yes, they were. Booty scratcher. That's exactly what I was about to say. That, that yeah. was actually yeah. that was actually like the like insult to to make. Like you're African. I don't even know what that means. What that means. Mm. Yeah, but it was a Everybody's thing. Booty. 
pictures from time to time. <laughs> See, but apparently, if you scratch it, you're you're you're, you're African. You're African. You're African yeah. booty scratch. I've heard right? that yeah. phrase a lot. You, um, you keep it clean. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just have like you know like things you put on your skin the that you shouldn't like Vaseline yeah. intensive care. Maybe you should get some shea butter in your life, and you don't. Uh, you don't know these things unless you're told, and this is how you connect with your your history. Uh, so. For you, did you have to combat? Because I, I figured, like this again, that would be unique for you or unique out of this between Slim and myself. Because you know, we we from here, whatever. So, you know, we we grew to have an understanding. But you had from pretty much day one, I'm sure. You like, you know, like did did you have to combat that? Like, you know, have to speak against the hey, don't like nah, that's nah. It's interesting because I I didn't have a lot of that surprisingly. Um, I think more so what we dealt with was people not even knowing that we had African descent for the most part, right? I didn't, I, I'd have to tell people that, right? Otherwise we were just other black kids in school, right? Mm-hmm. No one, no one's, a, no one kind of came out and was like, oh, you're, you're African, right? Mm-hmm. Her last name is Bickersteth. Right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't have which, one of those which long. Which surprisingly <laughs> though, everyone then is like, is that, oh, it's, that's, that's German, right? I was going to ask you related to Bernie Bickersteth. That's what I was going to ask. Like, you know, like, you know, maybe get some tickets to the to Wizards um, games, but you know. But no, and, and also I think that the conversation would be different had we been talking to my brothers, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my first name is Pearl. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, it's nothing out of the ordinary, right? Mm-hmm. My, both of my brothers have African names, Ayende, Nalo, right? Mm-hmm. Like something that would prompt someone to have that conversation with them off. The, oh, well, what is that? Like what? Are now, they older? They're is younger. They're, they're younger? younger. I have two younger brothers. So for me, I, I felt like <laughs> that conversation was not something that I really had unless I told people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I had a very different experience because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, they may, they may have very different experiences just from that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't something that people knew unless I brought it up and I was proud to bring it up. I wasn't ashamed. I, 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 I don't that. see that. So, <laughs> I can't picture that. <laughs> and I had other, you know, black friends that were, you know, um, children of, um, you know, I have a Ghanaian best friend, mm-hmm. a lot, lots of Nigerians in the area. So it wasn't it wasn't uncommon either. Nigerians are everywhere, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, they sure Ni- are. Nigerians are like Brooklyn, yo. <laughs> <laughs> so it really wasn't it wasn't uncommon enough, yeah. I think, that people really would have that conversation with us unless and then most of the time, most questions were always in unique and you know, if I brought smelly food or something, because that's what I brought <laughs> for lunch, maybe, but very, very rarely. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. All right. Uh so uh I'm still trying to recover over here. <laughs> That's what's happening. I thank you. I appreciate it, Pearl. Yeah, thank course. you. Uh, uh, I mean, actually, you could just keep Pearl. I could just go. <laughs> I have other things. Well, to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, you know what? Like, like, Pearl, Pearl's like, look, 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 look. If, if my mom doesn't hold it down, look, I, I got she you. She got yeah. my back. She yeah, has yeah, my yeah. back. Yeah, I, uh, I raise her right. <laughs> Indeed. When yeah. in doubt, let so. the black women take over. It's always it's, it's been winning for us on it's this podcast since it's, it's inception. Oh, I think yeah. I think I've, I think we've been saved on several occasions. They've definitely helped by us black by women. the black yes. women. All right. Yes. But, you know, have, we have no problem admitting that. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so I guess going back in a, in, in a different direction, um, I feel like. I mean, imperialism and colonialism mm. are very difficult things to discuss. Read my mind. Yeah. Uh, well, I might not have. So if I, if you have a better question, like by, by all means, like scratch mine because you know <laughs> you're more eloquent than I am. So uh, usually, it, I like the caveat. This is really cool. <laughs> uh, so um, imperialism and colonialism are, you know, 
they're so insidious because they have such lasting effects mm-hmm. and, and they, they work their way into every nuance and facet of our life, not just for people of color, the people who have been colonialized, but for the descendants of the people who, uh, who did the colonializing. Yeah. And it's just the whole, uh, I don't know. It's like, there's so many things you can point to like Ben Affleck being uh, like, like not wanting to like let people know that his father or his, his, not his father, but ancestors, his yeah. ancestors owned slaves. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, the idea that, you know, somebody might say that they're, they're, they're not black and they don't have or African and they have no connection to slavery. Um, it's the idea that like, oh, well, I didn't enslave people. Why do why should there be a conversation about reparations? Mm-hmm. There are so many things with imperialism, and colonialism. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there will be a lot of like uh, resistance and, and, and uh, I guess negotiating and bartering to try to salvage what it is you know because again when you give people information that's fact-based and it counters what they've been taught and what they know Mm -hmm. a lot of times there's a heavy like clash and there's resistance how are you able to like get break through that how do you how do you push i don't know my question is as good as yours but how do you (laughs) how do you break through that yeah you know and and and, like you know because I mean, the history is there, right? Mm-hmm. The history is there. It is, but think, a lot of people don't like, you know. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's you know, don't get me started on our public education system because that's oh, a pet I was peeve actually of, going to. That was actually one of my questions. Right? That was one of my questions. That, you know, our students come to, by the time they get to college, what they know is so little, right? That we have to, you know, begin from scratch almost, right? So I think that, you know, education and and having people understand that it's I mean, it's not a it's not an accusation. It's not a pointing of fingers, you know, so that for Ben Affleck to say, how could he not know that he had slaveholders in the family? And and to find that out should not be something that he takes personally. It's, it's, not an it's to recognize exactly. Yeah. It's to recognize that this is part of a tangled history, right? Or a not so pleasant history that characterizes our country, right? So sanitizing history is not helping. It's not helping us. It's not helping, you know, the dominant culture, you know, or it's not helping whites. It's not helping us. Knowing history, and, you know, and that's what I see my role as a historian, is Mm. is elucidating that history and saying, this is what happened. Um, This is why it happened. That's even more significant than this is what happened. This is why it happened. Let's understand why it happened. So we don't do it again, if nothing else, but so that we understand how things evolved in our in our country and in our history, right? So that's how I that's the approach I take with respect to telling the story of a history that's not pleasant, whether it's you know slavery, whether it's colonialism for the African context, or or something else, that you know, more of, recent. That passage of Phyllis Wheatley hit a chord with me. Oh, uh, <laughs> which one? About, uh, well, she was basically saying, like you know, like you know, brought out of her pagan land. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. it's one of those things. It's like that's like because she's been indoctrinated. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was the goal of colonialism. I get it. That's right. I, it was I, the point. Exactly. I get it. But it's yeah. just one of those things. So. Darn it, you are getting me off my... I have <laughs> questions. They're, they're sequential. And, and they we're, all su- and we're, all, I mean, we're all subject to it. We're all yeah, subject I to it. it. I right. mean, you know, we're all subject to, to you know, gravitating towards things that we've been inculcated to think... Inculcated. You know, okay. like to it. think is uh, the best thing. Use that you know, um, you know, She's brand- elucidating <laughs> the inculcation. Yeah, is what she's doing. Yeah, yeah, so, that's what she's doing. That's what's happening. Um, so I like to just that's, have a big that's light. human. That's a factor of being human beings, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, I if, think. If you look at, because uh, 
colonialism didn't just occur here. It no, occurred it didn't. all oh, over yeah. the world. Exactly. And I'd imagine mm-hmm. it's part of your studies yeah, because absolutely. of not only what you've uh, studied uh, academically, mm-hmm. but what you've seen when you've mm-hmm. traveled. Absolutely. I grew um, up in a, yeah. in a country, I went to school in Sierra Leone, which had been colonized by the British. By the time I went to school, it, it was no longer a colony, but the remnants of that remained. Mm-hmm. We couldn't speak our native language, our indigenous language in school while we were wearing our uniform. Wow. We always had to speak English. There were certain things that we could not do uh, um, because they were na- they were seen to be backwards or native um, or not right. It was wild as like Savage. right. It was wild as like even at the Angolan uh, Angolan Embassy mm-hmm. event, the the people who were there who were clearly African, you yeah. can see the features, yeah. but had like you know Hispanic names, yeah. like, like Rodrigo, Santos, like yo, you right. are what? exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. so. Okay, so Spanish was doing their thing too. Back oh then. yeah, yeah, Spanish and Dutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They it, was, were. it was all Spanish. And yeah. the Portuguese. Everybody was in all yes. colonialism. They were all there. Yes, they were all yes. there. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, and it leaves its trace. You know, it leaves its trace. You know, we go into the store and the brands that we buy, mm. a brands that you know, craft cheese, which we grew up eating, right? Out of you know, cheese in a can, and you see it and like, oh my goodness, this is like you know, nostalgia for mm. cheese in a can, but. You know, that was that's a vestige of colonialism, which, you know, most people might not even think of mm-hmm. as as, you know, something that remains, mm-hmm. you know, the brand of sardines you buy or the brand of whatever you buy. Right. Mm-hmm. OK, well, yeah. oh, man, that was going a whole different direction. <laughs> There's something no, we can take it back. Oh, no, that, that, that's that's why that's a 30 minute conversation at least. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I I don't see any reason why we can't have. A series of conversations. Well, well, that was how I was, that's, that's how I was gonna tie the whole thing up. I was gonna say we're gonna have to bring her back, but like you're getting ahead of me too. Like everybody, stop getting ahead of me. I'm not that fast. It's not my fault. She's so engaging. Like she, she. Well, you stop being engaging too. You want to talk to her. Like, and then Pearl was like engaging. You know what? You know what? You know, Pearl was about to shut it down. I was about to throw my mic down. It was like connected though. I couldn't do it. I was like, uh, like I can't slam this mic down right now. But if I could, I would. You know, we can both leave and just let. Let, let them talk. Yeah, we don't even got, yeah, yeah. Just let them have like that this might actually show. be an idea. It's your show. Might actually be an idea to just have them have a mother daughter talk. Mm. You know, just saying like, yeah, that might have to happen. It's possible. We'll talk about it off mic. Uh, so back to it. Um, one of the questions I was actually going to ask, um, you know, in terms of African and African American history mm-hmm. in our educational system, mm-hmm. how do we get more buy in? Mm-hmm. And I know, I know, and I know part of that question, um, we have to. Uh, recognize that a lot of that has to do with like local level politics or whatever, mm-hmm. who you have on your school board, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, people mm-hmm. being more involved. But how do we like stress how important it is and how do we get the buy-in mm-hmm. for to have more? Because it shouldn't just be like, you know, mm-hmm. once a month. Yeah. It yep. should be like because it's all it, it encompasses everything. Mm-hmm. And it's slowly happening. Is it? Look, my kids went to school in Virginia. <laughs> And in every where? in Virginia, okay. we live oh, in Virginia. Wow, okay. And every third grader in All Virginia, these places are terrible. Every third which, grader which in Virginia, Virginia, the state of Virginia. I mean, live because Northern Virginia. Yeah, no, no, no. In, in every Virginia. no, in every <laughs> child in the state of Virginia in third grade learns about the has a unit on the Empire of Mali. Mm. Interesting. How did that happen? I was told wow. somebody, the right person, was in the right room when the curriculum was being rotated, and they said, "Why not do ancient Mali?" It's a little piece. It's a tiny little thing. I mean, thing. that's something. We definitely get that at Prince George's County. To learn about, and, and, they do, <laughs> and they don't do it badly either. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, you know, I did guest speaking when my children were in the, in the, uh, the third sure grade. Did. 
and they don't do it badly either. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something. It's a small thing. So I think that you know this notion that we can't slip it in outside of February mm-hmm. is is a wrong tack to take. The state of New Jersey has the I think it's called the Amistad Law, yeah, which, so which that, designates that yeah. African American history be taught in the schools. I think the state of Connecticut now has a law like that. Yeah, so, I think I think um, Sylvia Alston, who's on Karen Hunter's show, she's known as Cousin Sil mm-hmm. to a lot of people who listen who buy him. But I think. She was saying that she had some like some yeah. some buying in terms of trying to get people going to school boards mm-hmm. and telling them, hey, you mm-hmm. need to include this, mm-hmm. that, and the third, yeah. or whatever, and they yeah. started putting it in. So it it can happen. So I mean, it's a slow process. We shouldn't really be at this backward stage, arguably, in this day and age. But no. little by little, um, it's happening. It sounds like Dr. Blyden, what you're saying, and please correct me if mm-hmm. I'm wrong, is that inclusion mm-hmm. will help. Yes more carefully curate a richer education. I yeah, I am saying that. Okay. I absolutely think that that, you know, and then, you know, this notion that, you know, I, I make a joke about, you know, every Thanksgiving when my children were little, me having to reprogram them when they came home, <laughs> right, with the turkey and the, you know, the story of the first Thanksgiving, right? Mm. Um, that, that, you know, I had to tell them that's not really how it happened. And mm. I think this notion that you can't teach a child who's in the second or the third grade about slavery or about you know about real the the real things that happen in history mm. is selling our children short mm. right if they can learn about the empire of mali and the great king mansa musa they can also learn about you know how horrible slavery was now you know depending on how it's done right it you know the, the the I think the argument that's been made for not teaching children about slavery is that it it makes them ashamed. Our children should not be ashamed. I don't of the think that's the one they were about being ashamed. That's the it's, irony, right? It's, I think it's, I think those it's the other who way perpetuated around. it yeah, that should their, be ashamed, not the children. So the notion that you came from enslavement should not be a source of shame to a child. Mm. And so the notion that you can't teach a small child about the history of slavery because you want to build self esteem in that person. In that child, I'm not sure that's the right way right. to go about it. Right. Okay, so if you had some ideas in terms of like where it'd be good to start, say on mm-hmm. an elementary to middle school level mm-hmm. and a high school mm-hmm. level, what are some ways off the proverbial beaten path that people can travel to like, you know, get into some good history? Not mm-hmm. necessarily just with slavery, mm-hmm. but in terms of just having a connection and a better understanding mm-hmm. of what it means to be black in the history that's associated mm-hmm. or African with, with that with the mm-hmm. association. I mean, within the schools itself, I mean, there are lots of these, you know, sort of weekend schools or, you know, community activities that in some black communities where that's being done. Mm -hmm. Within the school, it's something that I think can be easily done by just including in what we teach. You know, the the, the problem is that our teachers are themselves not educated on the subject. Mm -hmm. So how do you teach about something that you don't know as a teacher? Right. So and that's where it's failed us is that if you don't know, how can you teach it? So if if, you know, if young people start getting it at an early age, by the time they're teachers, they know this history, that it's not something that we wait until February to start telling our students about Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass and Martin Luther King. Uh, you know, I have a host of characters in my book that, you know, African-Americans who buy my book say, oh, my goodness, we didn't know this history. Why? 
this is history that's out there. We, it's there. I mean, African American history is now going on. Comfort, you know, a hundred years that, that that Carter G. Woodson has been writing. Du Bois has mm-hmm. have been writing about our history. Speaking of, Carter, we don't have an excuse. I know. I, I feel like you like you working <laughs> off of my notes oh. over here. Like speaking speaking of uh, Booker T. Washington and and, and W. E. B. Du Bois, mm-hmm. you got any hot takes on them? What do you? Because uh, uh, the reason why I'm asking this question is. Um, uh, I read, You're not going to catch me on that one. Well, 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 I'm not trying to catch you. I'm just like, you know, look, I, I read Up From Slavery, mm-hmm. and I will tell you that there were a couple times I angrily put that book down mm-hmm. uh, because there's there's one particular, I'm, I'm going to be paraphrasing, of course, but there's one particular section uh, where Booker T. Washington was saying, even right now, there's this group of men who are like, you know, lawless and, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, they're taking the law into their own hands and terrorizing whatever. And I don't even think I should really like, you know, talk about it right here because I don't think they have any power and they're not, I don't see them lasting at all. Um, but they're called the Ku Klux Klan and so forth and so on or whatever. And it's just like, he just, he was so... I feel like he had blinders on. He had such like wonderful ideology on one hand, but others, on the other hand, it's like, dude, like, what are you? He was a product of his time. Oh, he just, was, man, he was, was frustrating. He was navigating and trying to negotiate his position. I mean, and um, I, one of the things that I tell my students is, let's try not to judge the past, which is a hard thing to it's do. It's very hard to do. That's why I said I was like looking at Whoopi's comments you know, now as versus versus um, when they happened. But to, you know, but to sort of you know put a context to what might have motivated his his taking that position at that time, because even at that time there were those who disagreed with him, right? So it's not to say we can't be judgmental about him taking that stand, but it's mm-hmm. perhaps understanding his specific um, context. Well, right? W.E.B. Du Bois well, uh, staunchly right. disagreed with right. most of what he... I think W.E.B. Du- no, I'm not going to go that far. I was going to make a joke. It's not appropriate. <laughs> yeah, he had his problems, too. Oh, yeah, yeah he did. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He was a little bit of a misogynist, if I recall correctly. And, you know, he was elitist. Oh, okay. Many, okay. You know, yeah, but yeah. no one can... He can't do wrong in my eyes, so oh, I'm really? not the okay. right person to get to talk about. Okay, you know what? Like, if you're not going to give me anything <laughs> See, I'm just gonna move on to the next, you know, dag on it. All right, I tried. And misogyny is alive and well. So yes. if we want to find other poignant examples of misogyny, mm-hmm. I'm sure we wouldn't have to work too hard. Yeah, to it's, find out other examples. it's out there. It's out there. Okay. Well, let's talk about no show. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important topic that you know you should probably have a whole show on that. I'm probably not your guest for that. Oh, uh, well, honestly, I yeah. I'd have to. Like I said, I read up from slavery. I feel as I want to understand uh, Booker T. Washington very well. It was so because it's okay. So this is book. Um, it's an old book that my father was getting rid of because yeah, he bought it years ago, mm-hmm. and I saw it, and it had like three quote-unquote Negro classics. So it was Up From yeah. Slavery, The Souls of Black Folk, yeah. and I can't remember the other one. And it was so <laughs> upsetting for me after read. I finished it. Like, I was like, I have to take space. Because you had to know that history. Yeah, I had to take space, <clears throat> excuse me, before I can go read Souls of Black Folk. Mm-hmm. And I just never got back around to it. Because <laughs> it's like, I like, it was because fr- again, I'm I'm over a hundred years removed yeah. from from this 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 perspective Absolutely. from this man. Mm-hmm. I can't talk to him face to face. Like like, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. Like you know, did you smack yourself after you wrote? No, none of that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Marcus Garvey, because you mentioned him earlier, uh-huh. and he was like, you know, after reading about your your your, your great grandfather, mm-hmm. whatever, like you know, any 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 thoughts mm-hmm. on Marcus Garvey, whatever, because your your grandfather another came another from, another complex individual, another right? complex individual, another complex individual, and you know, in 
for, for my purposes, of uh, he's interesting because of the pride. We, I mean, we talked about it in terms of pride in Africa. And so I think for me, that's the most significant and important thing to talk about when I talk about Marcus Garvey is the pride that he stoked in everyday black Americans, right? Not elite. Um, you know, his movement really rallied everyday working class black Americans to understand their connection to Africa and to take pride in that ancestry. Um, you know, again, you know, difficult man, complex uh, um, person who isn't, right, in history. But, but he, did, he did achieve that, that goal of, of, you know, generating pride in, in African ancestry among black Americans. Why don't we speak? Why isn't he spoken of more, though? Do, do Marcus Gap, in some circles he is. Um, I think, he, you know, it depends on where you are, right? Perhaps mm-hmm. not in the schools. Not, I mean, you're going to hear more about Booker T. Washington and W.B. Du Bois than you would, I heard you about them about more so Darby. in college Absolutely. than yeah. than I didn't really mm-hmm. hear. Like I heard a little bit about Booker T. Yeah. Washington, but it's like little Black History facts you mm-hmm. have in Black History Month as a kid, mm-hmm. and doesn't really like dig in yeah. or dive. You, in. I mean, you kind of have to take a college class to learn about Marcus Garvey. This yeah, country. well, That's we didn't. True. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah. Get on that okay. is true. Yeah, so mm-hmm. maybe I, we should have a Black History cereal. Yeah, and like there the you back go. of the box has facts about black history. Oh, yeah, there you, you go. playing like around. That's not a bad idea. Be eating cereal. Like, That's throw, all. Yeah. I'm saying. I be eating cereal. Throw Cereal's in, not good uh, for you, but I mean, hey, we can make it. We can make it like oat clusters. You know, we can make it look like you know. We can make it look like like powdered wigs. You know what I'm saying? The old school powdered wigs. That's a good idea. Maybe make make it like afros, whatnot. Trade trademark the different types of hairstyles or whatever. <laughs> so you got like the conch live perm. No, never mind. I'm just spitballing here. Tra- like... Trademark culture sharks. <laughs> January twenty fifth. Hey, twenty twenty. Hey, let's get it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I have a couple more questions. Okay. I thank you for your time. I'm no, gonna let you go. It's been great. Um, but thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, I do have a couple more questions. Um, oh yeah. So as somebody, you've obviously been teaching for a while. Uh, you taught in Texas. I don't know why you did that, but you did it. Uh, uh, you're teaching now in this area. Yes. Um, as a professor, is there anything that still like shocks you in terms of your experience, in terms of like you know either like, interactions you have with your students or whatever, like how they react to things, or maybe even your colleagues or whatever? Is there anything that surprises you at, even now, like when you when you or, or you're like mm-hmm. you're like wow, this is still a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we were talking about people in history, uh, in Black history, that students don't don't know, and that always I'm I'm always disappointed when I throw out a name and my students don't know who that person is. I throw out a name. My students don't know who Paul Robeson is. Okay, mm. yeah. Uh, I, I, the students I, I, of just, okay. this generation don't know who Winnie Mandela <laughs> okay. is. Who, who just passed away uh, last right? year, right? Yeah. And so there are these, you know, and, and this is where I think we can go beyond just the great heroes and sheroes to, mm. again, you know, telling the story of black Americans um, that allows students to know more people in their history than just the sort of stock, standard people that we throw at them. I, I have a very random question. This mm-hmm. was not on this list. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's perhaps a way to kind of weave in African history if we if you look at it from perspective of the McCarthy era, McCarthy era, because mm-hmm. that that impacted Robeson, yeah, absolutely, that impacted um, Ozzie Davis. Yep. And impacted Malcolm X, mm-hmm. um, basically a lot of people who are like fighting for like you know independence in their own sense of self mm-hmm. and their own 
Africanness, yep. so to speak, or mm-hmm. whatever, a lot of them were put under duress by the federal government. Yep. And I feel like that's kind of like a bridge because yeah. Robeson was like like older by that time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Malcolm X was considered younger than obviously. Yeah, than Paul Robeson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. you think we maybe should that's- be able to? And that's you know, and that again, you know, we're getting back to our education system is is what we what we give to our students and what we what we leave out because and you know and this again may be it might connect to the question that you you, you just asked. It, it's in, to some extent the fault of us in the academy to great degrees that we know these things. It's translating these things to the public, to the, you know, again, I don't want to be boastful, but my book is in its second printing since it was published in May. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason for that is because it's resonating with everyday people. It's a book people can read. Mm-hmm. They don't feel that it's a book that own that's only meant to be read by people at universities or right. at college. Just Every day, yeah. people are reading the book and mm-hmm. are saying, "We're really enjoying it. We're really learning from it." And 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 that's been the biggest compliment for me. Uh, not you know the adulation of my peers or the you know the recognition from oh, from other academics, anyway. yeah, but well, from yeah, what like, everyday people, right? I mean, I'm senior enough. So, I'm far I, enough. I said it. She didn't say that. I didn't <laughs> yeah, say I'm it. senior enough. I'm far enough along in my career that that doesn't you know is not okay, doesn't make or break it. me anymore <laughs> okay you said it I'm i ain't mad at you no, I, I know that no i know what that means though that means you, you know, got something like some emeritus status know. going on i get you um but you know but but if we can't you know share the things that we learn in the academy with the with people outside of it everyday people then what are we doing right, right what right. Are, who are we writing for mm-hmm. and i i have always uh, made it my my job to write for i mean if the people i write about can't understand what i write right then why am i writing exactly right and so this is what i i'm you know, trying to figure that question out because i I'm, i've self-published like a few mm-hmm. books of poetry and yep. like you know like like i'm still trying to figure yeah. that question out. like why yeah like, nobody reads yeah. this no. uh uh so then you, <laughs> so you think you need to reevaluate yeah, how probably you're so, writing? Probably, no, probably just, probably no, just, I'm just sure stop. That's not I should true. just stop. That's probably what you well, well, that's well. Let probably. me let me just say, uh, it's self-deprecating humor. I'm not serious. I know, I know we're treading on you know, know difficult not. territory because I'm about to compliment Lee. So everybody just, you know, oh, everybody okay. watch out because it's about to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you believe but, in hell, it might it might it might freeze over. <laughs> but Lee, uh, Lee is not only a very talented uh, poet, but specifically. His written poetry mm-hmm. is uniquely beautiful, wow. I found. There you go. Um, so if the poetry isn't resonating, mm-hmm. sometimes I think it's exactly what you're describing. Sometimes you need to elevate the ear mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the listener, yeah. or elevate the eyes of the reader. I agree. And sometimes that takes additional education, mm-hmm. exposing mm-hmm. The people to things that they're maybe not used to. Um, so as a you know as a writer, I think I maybe I look at Lee's work with us from a from a specific perspective, mm-hmm. um, but I think it would benefit so many people uh, to have the opportunity to see the beauty in some of the things that he writes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might not even uh, not only to just learn about his experience, but to introspectively see some of their own experiences reflected in some of in his writing. Right, um, and, and I mean that's what we do, right? That's that's the po- that's the whole point. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole point. Slim, uh, thank you for the compliment. Wonderfully, wonderfully yeah. put. How much it was, did it was you very pay? Articulate. How much did you pay him? I didn't pay him at all. Everybody gets one. It's very articulate. I, I regret immediately making this self-deprecating jokes. I expected yeah. going. I'm sure they're not necessary. I, yeah, I, I'm sure they're not necessary. Well, no, no, yeah, I, I do that sometimes. I do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
I have two questions, and then we can wrap this interview right. up. Uh, the first question is, is very quick. Listen, what is next for Dr. Namada Black? Serious. Can't really even think about it. I feel like I can't think about it. I spent so much time on this one that I'm taking a break now. But that's actually not true. I'm actually... Uh, um, the next project I'm going to work on is sort of a, I'm calling it sort of a family biography, telling the stories of the places um, of my family and my ancestors um, through the lens of this one family. You know, we start, we, we talked about this idea that it's rare for a black family to be able to go too far back in history. I can trace ancestors on my father's side, unfortunately not so much my mother's side, but on my father's side to the 18th century, to the 1790s Caribbean Mm -hmm. and 1790s Tennessee and Virginia. Mm. Um, And so telling the story of those places, whether it's Virginia, Tennessee, the Virgin Islands, Liberia, Sierra Leone, through the lens of this family. And on my mother's side, we have some really interesting stories, too, of black life in the North as well as black life in the South. To be able to, you know, tell an American story uh, or a, or a, a diasporan, an African diasporan story mm-hmm. um, by looking at the lives of these men and women who, some who were enslaved, how they became free, um, how they emerge to to succeed. Um, so it's a quintessential, you know, sort of American story in many ways, but with some, you know, you, caveats. You mind if I ask a question? No, no, nah, not at all. Um, I don't know if you've read uh, Yah Jesse's Homegrown. Uh huh. Yes, or, it's a beautiful uh, book. Yeah. Um, uh, Colton Whitehead's. Um, Nickel Un- Boys. Oh no, I haven't read. Uh, the, I haven't read Underground Railroad, Railroad okay, yet. Uh-uh. Um, but uh, it it's always fascinating to me how really talented writers can take what we know mm-hmm. about history mm-hmm. and construct a beautiful work of fiction, fiction out, out of, of it. it. I always um, use novels in my teaching. Have you ever reason. considered writing fiction? Is oh, that something that has ever? interested you not really you know just because i don't you know writing is not my favorite part of the process believe it or not mm-hmm. uh um i don't consider myself to be a writer in that sense uh and so the it idea of transitioning to fiction i don't know but um who knows okay. you know who knows i'd um, be very interested <laughs> to, to hear who knows um, that's a uh, something to think about in my she's definitely said my... some things in this interview like hmm you know yeah i, I saw you yeah. I think a couple times we were yeah. looking at each other. I was like, you know, like, okay. So, uh, something to think about. Yeah. You never know. Okay. So, last question. And I, yes. I, can, I, I can let you go on about your business. Uh, <laughs> what is next for Namada Blyden? Uh, um, well, you know, I've been, I'm spending the time promoting the book and I want to continue to do so. I, this is a book I want people to read. Mm-hmm. I want people to read it. I want people to learn what they don't know from it to um, the things that they already know, to, you know, to see a a different perspective on from the book, Mm -hmm. um, and to have conversation about about the themes that I raise in the book, because I think it's an important one. We're at a moment when I think it is important for us to be asking these questions, if we are Black American, about what our relationship to the African continent is, what our relationship to this nation in which we live is, um and um and what that means right and so i th- and and these are some of the things that you know 
I'm not sure they were deliberate, but that have emerged in the book, um, which is, I think, another reason why it's resonated. And so I want those conversations to continue. And so, um, you know, I'm speaking as much as possible about the book and I'm not being, you know, modest about it. I'm not being self-effacing about it in a way that I tend to do. That's what I, that's, that's, my, that's my jam. <laughs> As right I, you know, yeah, I tend to, it. I tend yeah. to be, and, but I'm I, working but, on it, but with this one, I've decided that I'm not going to be because I think there are important things that I, that I talk about in the book mm-hmm. that I want people to, to know. Okay. Well, Dr. Blyden and Pearl. I, I thank both of you for for taking time out of your schedules to come over here, and like you know, on, just on a whim, just like like somebody comes up to you like, yeah, I want to interview for my podcast. Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm like, oh wow, that was surprising. Not as scary as I thought it was going to be. Uh, I thank you for your time and your energy. We appreciate you coming out. So uh, we wanted to like you know give you applause, thanks, and all that good stuff. Thank so you. so thank, thank you for coming out. I really out. enjoyed it. Appreciate I didn't know it. what to expect, and this was neither just did delightful. I. Neither did I. I did, there's my there's nothing on my screen actually. My screen is blank. I don't have anything on it. I was just pretending like to have read questions the whole time. Uh, uh, Slim, thank you for like uh, co-hosting, good sir. Oh no, it was a, it was a sincere pleasure, and uh, I look forward to more opportunities in the future to speak with you anytime uh, Dr. Blyden mm-hmm. I actually this interview has given me a lot of ideas um, so I would love to even discuss some of those with okay. you uh, and, and Lee as well um, and also uh, just so you're aware um, I work in Georgetown oh, okay. so uh, if you would ever like to go grab lunch yes. or to, to discuss absolutely. anything I think that would absolutely. be fantastic absolutely um, to, neighbors yes, yes yes we are neighbors okay so ladies and gentlemen uh I would like to thank you for, oh, let me not do that. One, one, one quick second. If people wanted to contact you or find your book, like, cause this is all about like, you know, we're all about the plug. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, if you have social media channels that you want people to follow you on, if there's a place that you want people to like locate your book, shout it out. Let's get it. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I think I have an Instagram account as well. I'm working on a web page, but my book uh, that can be purchased on Amazon. If you're uh, not an Amazon person, you can buy it directly through the press, Yale University Press, at your local bookstores. Um, One of the things I've been doing is trying to get it in black bookstores. Mm -hmm. Um, So I know that there are a few black bookstores that, that are carrying it. Mm-hmm. Um, so patronize your local black bookstore and ask for it and hopefully you'll get it there on, on Twitter oh it's just Blyden Nimata easy okay. just Blyden search Nimata. my name you'll find me yes okay. I'm not oh, doing that anything is very fancy true. with <laughs> that is very true I was like I gotta find on social media yes yeah. is N-E-M-A-T-A um, N-E-M-A-T-A okay. yes yeah. and I, I have a couple of pieces out there I just was featured on uh, Black Perspectives blog um, and so they can find me easily Okay. Thank you. No, thank you. Google me. Yeah. Yes. That's what. That, like, do, do you have any places that you want people to find you, Pearl? No, you good. No, no, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want people to follow you on IG? Follow me on my I Instagram. I was ready. Okay. <laughs> Google me. All right. So now we can get into it, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you so much for your listenership. We appreciate you. We appreciate you checking in. Please tell a friend to tell a friend. Subscribe. Uh, the algorithms help us to build our platform and our message. Uh, share with your friends. You can, of course, find us on www.flashblackradio.com. If you're listening to podcasts outside of that, you can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc. We're basically out here in these streets. If you want to find us on Instagram, 
Flash Black Radio. On Twitter, we are at Flash Black Radio and Flash Black News. If you want to know what's going on in the culture and things that affect us and are important to us, you can check us on that handle. And we're on Facebook. Just you know, look Flash Black. You'll find us. Uh, so, again, thank you so much for your listenership. And until next time, we see you. Stay blessed. Stay woke. One.